Welcome back to the call up. It is Monday, May 22nd. I'm Arm Layton. He's Jack McMullen. And we're going to highlight some prospects that we think just deserve a little bit more attention that have been performing well and you know may fly a little bit under the radar. Some of which names that maybe are very familiar, former top 100 guys that maybe slid off the list and now are sliding back on and others that are just underrated or overlooked. I, I, we didn't want to title this episode underrated because they it's it, underrated might be the most overused word in sports and we're guilty of it. I think we've already done multiple episodes of underrated prospects, this or that. These guys might not necessarily be underrated, but their performance needs to be highlighted. So whatever the hell you want to call that. Spin zone is underrated. The most overrated word in the I English language about that. I, I, it might be, it might be up there, man. It might be yeah. up there. Every everyone's underrated until they're not, and then most of the time they become overrated. And there's no but, in between. I mean, we had the Lars Nupar conversation before this year. Like this guy was so underrated that he became overrated. Like Correct. everybody called him underrated. Correct. And, and like I think Lars is like he's been banged up. He's but he's like having a fine year. But like no one gives a shit because because <laughs> he, he wasn't he was, the 900 OPS that everybody was expecting because yeah, he, he was so he had, underrated. He, he had to be one of the best players in Major League Baseball basically to exceed whatever expectations were placed on him. Yeah, he's a 1.1 F WAR. In 34 games and a 116 WRC plus really, really nice start to the season so far. Um, But no one cares because it was 900 OPS or he's just basically meeting expectations. So we're going to highlight a bunch of different names, just basically just trying to keep you up to date. And, you know, when Jack isn't on, you know, I'm going to be doing some solo episodes here and there. Uh, just to kind of highlight other guys that are performing uh, that that I think should be on your radar and and that are just, you know, elevating their status. So I think that's really the best way to to put this is these are guys that are elevating their status. Um, and there's plenty of which across minor league baseball. We're going to focus on the American League side today. And Jack, you're going to kind of lead us with the names and I'm going to fill in on, you know, whatever I can fill in on. Yeah. So the way that I did this, and honestly, we're going to kind of go like rapid fire because I'm going to throw you, you know, two to three names per t- per organization. And I want you to kind of guide me to the spot where you feel like this guy deserves the most love out of this grouping. Um, and, and the way that I kind of looked at it was these guys are underrated on a relative scale. So we'll get to the Tigers a little bit later. Spoiler alert. Colt Keith is on this list. Oh, yeah. Colt Keith is a top 100 guy, but Colt Keith, like he's playing like a top 30 guy and one of the best power hitting prospects in the minor league. So he is relatively underrated in that way. Kind of same thing with the Tigers. Dylan Dingler was once like flirting with the top 100. He had a really rough go of it in double. Now he's bouncing back. So maybe you buy stock after you saw it dip over the last calendar year or so. So let's, let's start with Tampa here. Um, I'm going to go AL East, AL Central, AL West. And the three guys that I highlighted for Tampa are Cameron Meisner, an outfielder, Mason Montgomery, a pitcher, and Oslavis Basabe, who kind of looks like an elevated Vidal Bruhan right now. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we'll talk Meisner because Meisner's this dude's tooled up. And and, and I think it's it's one of those things where he's frustrating because he's 25 and um, strikes out so much. You look at the numbers overall, he's got a 40% K rate over the course of the season. But you look at the last 20 games, 295, 456, 541, 1,000 OPS, 22% walk rate, 33% K rate. 
Like the, the, the risk is, 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 is impossible to ignore, but he's capable of playing all three outfield spots hits the crap out of the baseball. Um, and, and I think is really interesting. Hits the ball in the air a ton too. I think he's a platoon guy that can play all three outfield spots. And there's some similarities and, you know, I don't want to set this bar for him, but there's a lot of similarities to James Outman to me. Like, and I'm not saying it's all going to click the same way. And for every successful James Outman, there's seven other of prospects with that mm-hmm. profile or nine other that, that don't pan out. But if somebody with that profile is going to pan out, it, it's probably Meisner older 25, but still a younger 25 big dude, 6'4, 225 pounds fast, big power. He's going to whiff, but does the things necessary to hedge said with, I, I kind of see the Outman similarities there. And if you put him in the right spots and, and, and use him correctly, I think this could be a pretty valuable big league piece. Yeah. So again, the other two Montgomery and Basave, I'm sure we're going to circle back on these guys in a, in an episode to come. Um, the Orioles, the three that I've got here for you, Cade Povich, who I know was just on the show um, as a guest, and that was a great interview. Kobe Mayo, who was a top 100 guy, and Mayo, I think, is almost that forgotten infielder in the Westberg, Norby, Ortiz conversation. And then Chase McDermott, a right-hander that they got from Houston in that Mancini deal, um, has have has had a really nice start to the year. So where do you want to go on this one? Yeah, I'll, I'll just two quick words on on Povich and and McDermott, and then I think we'll highlight Mayo. Cool. Um, Povich, dude, he's he's awesome. And again, I encourage people to go check out that interview. Like, he he's a heck of a pitcher, and I think is quickly becoming one of the most exciting, if not the most exciting, arm in the system as as Grayson graduates. Buy what Povich is selling. McDermott is a guy that I know you like, and I can kind of kick it over to you because he's got that Ball State pedigree. Um, I liked the pickup for them, but yeah, it's interesting. It's been command issues in the past. I think there still are command issues now, but man, is the stuff just disgusting, Jack? Like he's nasty. He walks a lot of guys, strikes out a lot of guys. If the command can get close to decent, I think this guy can, can be another really exciting arm in this system. Yeah. So the worry is obviously reliever risk, right? But what that has turned into last year, this guy was sporting a five and a half in 103 innings because he was walking the world and there were enough hits against him. So far, the walk rate is pretty similar. It's down by like half a hitter per nine. He's got what, 20 walks and 34 and a third, but he's punching out 11 and a half per nine. And this guy is limiting knocks against him. Five hits against per nine innings. And this guy has a mid two ZRA in his first 34 innings of, of double a ball. So far, he finished with six starts in Bowie. This is a different guy that you're seeing in Bowie than you saw at the end of last year. Yeah. hundred percent. And, and I, I, this is an interesting test for the Orioles pitching development side of things because Stuff's there. We'll see. We'll see if the command comes along, but the fastball is elite. And I think that helps big time as well. Focusing on Kobe Mayo. I I agree with everything you said. I think he's, he's underrated or or overlooked because of how insane the system is. You put Mayo in another system. And I think he's, you know, that team's that fan base's favorite prospect or one of, um, there's a legitimate chance that Mayo could be better than some of the guys we have ahead of him. Like, I think there's a chance he's better. He could be a better player than Norby. I think there's a chance. I think at this point, he's a better prospect than Norby. Uh, there's a chance he could be a better player than you know, some of the guys that are ranked ahead of him. What I love most about, about Kobe Mayo is he's big. 
6'5", but makes a ton of contact, simple swing, walking more than ever, striking out, you know, much less than he did in his double-A stint last year. What's really funny is right as we talk about Mayo here, we had 34 games in double-A last year, and we have 36 games in double-A now this year, nearly doubled the walk rate, has cut the strikeout rate by more than 10%, and the power numbers are identical. The result? Instead of a 102 WRC plus, a 145 WRC plus. He's getting on base in a near 400 clip. He's 21 years old. Mayo could be one of those guys that goes nuclear when it all totally clicks, but I think we're starting to see it click here for for Kobe Mayo, and and he's a really exciting bat. I love that. Um, all right, Toronto. Here's the thing about the Jays system. I'm not going to talk about Tiedemann. I'm not going to talk about Addison Barger, right? Because those guys, like, they have the love that they deserve. So I, I tried digging for the guys that have a little bit of prospect pedigree, you know, that that are performing well. They don't have many solid performers. So I had to dig deep here. And I've got a guy that could help that bullpen in Hagen Danner. And I've got Damiano Palmigiani, who like infielder type, like I, I think he's high A right now. Palma Johnny's having like a decent start to his year offensively, but Danner, I think, is a guy that can make his way into this bullpen and complement Jordan Romano and Eric Swanson and holy shit, Nate Pearson. <laughs> Nate Pearson, baby. <laughs> I would say that, that might be a guy we should still pretend he's a prospect and talk about him, but Hagen Danner, 96 with the fastball disgusting, disgusting, disgusting chase rate, swinging strike rate, all of the metrics that you love to see in a fastball. He's got it there. Um, you know, it's surprising. It gets hit harder right now than, than it should, I, but I think it's going to translate at the highest level. And then the two breaking balls are pretty nasty. I agree. I think Danner could be a nice bullpen piece. I'm so interested in, in Damiano Palmegiani. Did I say that correctly? I have no idea. I don't know if I'm saying it right. Just like I, I'm, I'm just I'm just in on what we're seeing here. 18% walk rate in double A, 24% K rate, so 145 WRC plus. He's a young guy. He's your classic, like overlooked bat first prospect, 14th rounder in 2021, who just mashes. And that's exactly what he's been doing. He's been mashing. Doesn't miss fastballs so far this year, an 1150 OPS against fastballs. And he's, he struggles against breaking balls. So we'll see. But he's so good against fastballs that right now he's been able to, to consistently hit. So um, I'm interested. Hits the ball in the air. Um, decent power. Good guy to follow relative to, to the rest of the system. Got to mention Elvis Martinez, a guy that I've never liked as a prospect. He's going nuclear right now with the home runs. So that's another guy I guess we got to you know tip the yes. cap to. Yeah, I, I was thinking Arelvis is like loved by others around the industry. So I wasn't thinking he's necessarily underrated. Um, yeah. Oh, no, 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 definitely not. But like yeah. he's one of those guys that like is slowly or has slowly started to get overlooked. But he's hitting a buck 50 with 12 bombs. I mean, that that's just bizarre, dude. That's so 12 weird. of his 18 hits are homers. That's so weird. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I, I mean, Toronto is one where I really needed to dig and like I didn't know these two names before I dove in. And again, we, we've talked about this. It's nearly impossible to sneak big leaguers by us. It is getting close to pretty impossible to sneak minor leaguers by us. Um, and these are two guys that like I did not know at all. So Jay system's not great. <laughs> yeah, I did some digging there and we found Damiano Palmigiani and Hagen Danner.
Um, the Yankees, these are two guys that I know you know well. Will Warren, the arm, and Tyler Hardman, who is a solid power hitting option. Um, I feel like I know where you're going here, and it's absolutely Will Warren. Yeah, I'll give Will Warren a little bit more shine. I <laughs> I, I I really liked what I saw from him when this was one of the guys that every time I do a top 10 dive and, and you know, a top 15 prospect dive when we're writing up a system, there's always a guy that like, I always I, I liked, but then I watched more in depth and I'm like, oh, man, I, I, I didn't give this guy enough credit before. Will Warren was that guy in the Yankee system watching those starts. I'm like, this guy's going to get outs and he's going to go deep into starts and he's just going to be somebody that you know might never be a frontline kind of dude, but will be able to just consistently get outs and and churn out quality starts. And that's exactly what he's done. First start in AAA was really solid. He mixes up. A deep arsenal, sinker, slider, four-seamer, cutter, curveball, changeup. And you got to worry about all of them. It's like everything that we liked about Javier Assad, but up the quality of stuff and make it a 6-2, you know, more athletic right-hander. Will Warren's a borderline top 100 guy. And then real quick on Hardman, just elite power. I, I love the way he approaches the game. Um, and he's someone that's foul pole to foul pole. He will wear out the right field area at Yankee Stadium if he makes it up, excuse me, to the big leagues. He's never going to put the ball on the ground, which I love. He's going to hit in the air. He gets blown up by Velo a little bit, but I think he's still a guy that he he reminds me a bit of Ryan Noda um, for for what that's worth. 140 140 WRC plus, right? For Noda? Yeah. Yeah. I think that's the best outcome here for Hardman, but it's not impossible. Yeah, I I love that. Um, All right, jumping to the Red Sox here. Brainer Bonacci and Willier Abreu are two that jump out to me. And before you laugh me out of the Zoom about David Hamilton, because the narrative around him has been interesting because the Red Sox chose to protect Hamilton as opposed to Thad Ward, who is still with the Nats. He was the you know first overall pick in the Rule Five draft. Um, I don't know if that's something to celebrate or not, but uh, Hamilton was forty man protected. David Hamilton, his calling card is speed, right? He stole 70 bags and 78 attempts in double A Portland. How do you maximize that speed by getting on base so far this year in Worcester in 39 games, David Hamilton has a 350 OBP and he's 23 for 27 in the stolen base department. Was Heim he's got right? a teensy bit of juice, man. How about was nine that? homers in 39 games? It was Heim right? Because that award's been terrible. Yeah. And Hamilton looks like he could elevate the Boston Red Sox right now. Oh man. Oh, we're going to take an L on that one. We're going to take an L on that one, but I told you, listen, we knew David Hamilton was fast as shit though. Like we knew it when he was a Texas Longhorn. I, I I knew it in 2018 out on the Cape, 17 games. This guy was 11 for 12 in the stolen base. Oh, I mean the, yeah, but we figured he'd be the, the base stealer who hits 248. Mondesi. Yeah, we thought worse, he would be, yeah, we thought it would be the poor man's at Alberto Mondesi, and they already had Mondesi. 70 for 78 last year on stolen bases. And now with the rule changes and the where, where the game is headed, uh, I think this was maybe you know the right move by Heim, which is crazy because you know we would have thought that they could have used Thad Ward pretty badly, and they could use arms, but Thad Ward wouldn't be helping them much right now. The nine homers is shocking to me. Um, yeah. that, that is the most shocking aspect to me, I think, with David Hamilton. I know we're supposed to go rapid fire here, but like, dude, <laughs> like, where did this come from? Right. 90 no, percentile sure. exit velocity of 103. That's more than solid. Last year, it was 99 miles an hour. 90th percentile exit velocity. I don't know. Here, it's 103. I think this guy obviously put on some muscle. Figured out a way to tap into more power, and and you got to be taking David Hamilton seriously. 
100 percent this might be a fantasy baseball option honestly when oh, he comes yeah, up yeah shout out to the just fantasy show if you're a big fantasy baseball player go check that out uh the just fantasy show our guy colby olsen and our guy clay snowden doing that um yeah, I, I'm sure Kobe won't waste any time highlighting a Red Sox <laughs> prospect who can who can make an impact, you know. But he'd be right to highlight David Hamilton as a fantasy option. To be fair, um, yeah. that's he he looks really good. Um, what real quick, Will you or Brayu? I know we're spending a little bit more time on the Sox here, but Will you or Brayu? I, I, for those that have listened to the podcast for a little while, when that trade went down for um, Vasquez from the you know the Astros made that deal with the Red Sox, I really really did like. Willie Urbreu. And and I still do. And he didn't perform well in the fall league, but I watching his BP when I was out there watching his at bats, I've always liked the swing and the athleticism is sneaky. The power's above average. This is a I, I like Willie Urbreu. Like he is a relevant prospect. And it was a really slow start in triple. It's okay. He's 24. Not even 24 yet, still 23. He's getting going now. And he's a power speed combination here. He's a corner guy. There's a world where he's a he's he's an everyday player. Like obviously the hit tool has really got to come along, but there's a world where he's an everyday player. And if you get an everyday outfielder in a deal where oh, Emmanuel Valdez was in that deal too, who's you know, no slouch. He seems like at least a big league bench piece. Yeah. Red Sox made out pretty well in that deal with Vasquez. I I am a believer in Will Urabreu. Got you. Um, all right, moving to Minnesota here. Minnesota was a really tough one. Mm-hmm. Um, the, and, and the reason I say that is because a lot of like their good prospects were performing really well. Like Julianne was hitting the shit out of the ball and, and they had some other guys. Minnesota's thing is they have a surplus of young big leaguers with service that are continuing to flip-flop between AAA and the bigs, like Larnick and Walner and Julianne and Varland and Simeon Woods-Richardson and, uh, I'd see Brent Hedrick and Royce Lewis is getting healthy again. So, like, none of these guys I don't think are particularly underrated. I think somebody that is forgotten, that had a lot of prospect pedigree, that ran into some serious issues and ran into a fist, was Jordan Balazovic. And Balazovic... So far with AAA St. Paul, Balazovic in 22 and two-thirds innings has a 3-2 ERA. He's punching out 12 and a half, and he's walking four and a half. So the walk numbers are better than they've been at recent stops. Um, and he's, like, got some life on his fastball. He topped at 96 on Saturday. I've seen him run up to 99 on a hot gun. I assume that's, like, 97. Yeah, um, say I have him topping out at 97, but that's still better than what we saw. Yeah, so, like, this may be a different Balazovic and maybe, like, a swingman option for Minnesota. Yeah, so the command is still seems to be, you know, a little bit of a challenge. But I agree, like, this is a, this is a swingman option because – you imagine him in couple winning spurts. He's probably sitting more six seven, or at least five six, uh, with the fastball. Which the fastball is picking up good, good data number, like good data points in terms of a lot of the thresholds, chase rate, swinging strike rate, in zone whiff, all good for him. Uh, and the command of it, his command of his secondaries has been really spotty, which is okay if you're a swingman. And um, but the secondaries could be solid. The slider is a good pitch when it's in the zone. The curveball has been a decent pitch when it's in the zone. So uh, I, I like I like him as a swing man. And I think there's an, an opportunity for him to break in at some point this year at the big league level for them because 
he has made those strides and and looks like a a decent option for them. Um, but they all of a sudden have this like pitching depth, which is insane. Like, isn't it bizarre how they're able to kind of all of a sudden have the Minnesota Twins have this pitching depth? It went from it went from like zero depth at all to now you are like ten deep in the rotation because you have a solid five in St. Paul waiting. It's it's awesome. Uh, I'm trying to think like on the hitting side because I want to give them a little bit more shine than just Jordan Balazovic. <laughs> but try I, and I find something. I I couldn't. I yeah, man. I mean, I'm. I mean, there's some of the guys that are like performing all right at the lower levels, but they're kind of old for the level. Like there, there's really not much out there. Brent Hedrick. <laughs> Yeah, I've seen Hedrick throw, but Hedrick, like he's already got his major league debut under his belt this year. Like, yeah, like that's yeah, we're not we're not really doing you much of a favor by highlighting him. Pretty interesting, like not like there's guys that are performing as expected, like you said, but you know nobody that's really you know, standing out or or making a big leap so far this year. Yeah. Um, all right, moving on to the Guardians here. I've got two arms and an outfielder, and. I'm not calling my shot on this guy, but I discovered a 21 year old here uh, was born May 16th, 2002. So he is 21 in six days while we're recording this. Wilfredo Antunez. Antunez is 21 in low A. So he is, you know, average age for that level, but he's hitting 312 in 23 games with a 910 OPS. He's walked as often as he's punched yeah. out. No homers yet. But he's got five doubles, three triples, and 11 driven in. Uh, he's got five bags and, again, 20 walks, 20 Ks. So, Antunez is like the bat that I was like, okay, this guy's come out of nowhere. He may be next in the turnstile. Um, Joey Cantilla looks healthy and looks all the way back. Mm-hmm. And then Parker Messick, dog, the Florida State Seminole, who was taken uh, in the early rounds of last year. He was not a first-round guy. Messick is shredding through the minor leagues. Like Messick could be one of those guys that, you know, forces his way into the guardians rotational plans. You know, it's aside from Joey Cantillo. So Parker Messick and Wilfredo Antunez, if you blind tested me, like I didn't know who the players were, but here's their data. Here's their numbers. Here's who they are. Here's their background. And, and said, you know, which organization do these guys belong to? Guardians. Like yep. is Wilfredo and Tunez not just the classic Guardians prospect? Absolutely. Minimal power right now, walks, doesn't strike out, puts bat on ball, and and just plays good defense. And then you look at at um, you know what they're getting from Messick. I think that's why you liked. I won't speak for you, but I think the reason why you liked the Messick pick so much and liked him as a fit was college pitchability lefty that the guardians ID that usually bodes well for that player. And that's exactly what's been happening. Messick's changeup has been otherworldly. And I think that's why he's been able to make quick work of, of his opponents had to face Salem back to back. And the second time against Salem struggled in his last outing, but overall he's been really good. Messick's a name to, to definitely monitor. And then Cantillo, I've highlighted him on Twitter to me, Cantillo is a better version of Messick, um, which is really exciting. Yeah. Um, he's sitting 93-94 with the fastball. One of the best changeups in the minor leagues, period. Like, period. It's disgusting. It's it's wicked. And then the, the breaking ball is coming along. Cantillo looks like that dude. It's all about health. 
I'm just trying to figure out like what this rotation looks like in two years, right? Is, is it Bieber, McKenzie, Bybee, Williams, Cantillo, and Messick is a six. They have so many options. What happens with Logan Allen? (laughs) Like what happens with all these guys? They have so much. Cantillo is going to have to really hit his stride to take the job from Allen. I I think Cantillo could be a trade chip, especially considering that, you know, the injury history is sad. Command is maybe one other little wrinkle that you could put in there. And that's generally not something that they, they hold on to. Yeah. So, I mean, they've got some nice trade capital offense stinks right now. Um, Guardians are in a nice position organizationally. For sure. Three different ways of viewing these guys is underrated for the Tigers. Colt Keith, Dylan Dingler, the catcher and Brant Herter, who's an arm that, you know, could factor in as a starter, could factor in as a reliever. Um, Colt Keith is a top 100 guy that is playing like one of the best hitters in minor league baseball right now. Dylan Dingler mentioned was flirting with the top 100, probably at the end of the 2021 season last year, really underwhelming for Dingler this year coming off injury. This guy has been hitting the shit out of the ball. Mm -hmm. And then Herter is a guy that not many people know, but this is a college arm that can climb quickly. Let's start. So real quick on, on, uh, Colt Keith, like, we had him in the top 50 going into the year and now he somehow exceeded those expectations. He hit for the cycle. He went six for six with two home runs, seven driven in this guy approach power. Oh, he's got it all. Like he's going to hit. We'll see how the defense comes along, but my goodness, that bat is, is insane. Dingler was banged up, you know, aggressive assignments. I think he's like all of a sudden kind of struggling and double again, but he got off to a really good start. So he's kind of, Giving himself a nice, a nice kind of buffer zone. Um, and also just dismantled low A in his rehab. But he's hitting the ball harder than he ever has. And I think that's a really important wrinkle in this. Like this dude hit a home run 111 the other day. Damn. We've never seen Dylan Ingor do that. So he's kind of growing into a little bit more juice. Uh defense is, has always been solid. It, they need Dingler. Um, so I hope he continues to progress the the way he looks. But uh yeah, it, it, baseball is such such a pain in the ass because the crazy thing is, dude, like you add him to the list yesterday, 0 for 5, 4Ks. Dude, like, this game sucks. But overall, he looks really good. And I think there's a lot to be excited about. Um, and when he's hitting 111 mile an hour home runs, like that is something that we haven't really seen from him. So hopefully some impact, some added impact here. And he's walking. Yeah. Um, all right. The White Sox. I've got two. Wilfred Veras is is a position player, and he's kind of hitting the ball pretty well. Jonathan Cannon is the guy that you know jumped out to me. Obviously, college arm. Cannon was first round option, fell beyond the first round of the White Sox, and I was thinking Peyton Paulette was going to be the guy. Like he was injury laden at Arkansas. Paulette, I, I saw a pen where he hit what one hundred one this off season. I was like, I'm I'm pushing my chips in on Paulette. And Cannon has been better. Cannon is a seasoned arm. The White Sox need any sort of future big leaguer in this organization, right? Like you're probably looking at one with Colson. You're looking at one with Brian Ramos. I think a lot of White Sox fans were banking on Sean Burke to break out in a positive way in the upper levels. Burke has been bad in Charlotte. Cannon looks great so far. 6'6", righty, who just... Gets a lot of ground balls. You'd expect him to be more of a strikeout guy. He's not, but he picks up a 60% ground ball rate. I think Cannon's a really high floor arm, which they need. And he's still only 22. So, you know, the strikeout stuff could come along. It can continue to improve. Like the slider is really good. Um, so I'm excited to see his development. I, I do think this is one of the, the the more intriguing arms in this system now, given the development, as you mentioned, the disappointment of some of the other guys and, and how he's looked. 
the ground ball rate and, and the ability to pound the strike zone gives him a high floor. And I think there's potential for more here. So Cannon might be the most intriguing arm in this system. You got Mena as well, but I think Cannon with the floor ceiling combination might be as fascinating as any. I'll give Mena the edge still just because like Electric the factor. numbers are, yeah, the numbers are crazy in double right now, but Cannon, Cannon is way less sexy than Mena is in terms of pitch profile, but he's been effective, man. Yep. Um, all right, Royals, three guys here. Alec Marsh and Chandler Champlain are, are both pitchers. Champlain came back um, as one of those three in the Benintendi deal last year. Marsh, I know a guy that you know, you know pretty well, and, and you think that Marsh, I think you've long thought that Marsh is one of the underrated arms in this Royals system. Um, Samad Taylor, for me, is the guy that jumps out. Samad Taylor's a big leaguer. I, there's no point in having him in Omaha anymore. I think this guy should be playing consistently for the Kansas City Royals. Yeah, I, I kind of want to talk about all these guys. Um, we'll, we'll focus. I'll be quick on Marsh, though. For me, Marsh has always been, a to me, a guarantee, as long as he's healthy, guaranteed big league bullpen arm with how disgusting the stuff is. Uh, yeah. But we're seeing him hang around now as a starter. Like, walk rate is is slightly diminished. He went through a really nice stretch where he'd only walked one batter, I think, in like six straight starts. Marsh looks really, really good. Last start, he walked five, but he scattered them and, and only gave up one earned run, which came on a homer. Um, so it, it struck out eight. I really like what we see from Alec Marsh, and I think this guy might get an opportunity this year uh, at some point later on with, with the way he looks. Um, focusing on Samad Taylor, Samad Taylor should should be up right now. I, I, I don't really think there's – there's any reason to to keep him down any longer. He can play all over, which is the other interesting part. Like they've put him in second at second left and play center. You, he's literally he's with Whit Merrifield starter kit. Yes. And in the team that that Whit Merrifield came up with, like, please play Simon Taylor. And, and he will make the Royals better right now. Um, even if there are some growing pains, he's fast. He hits the ball hard enough to mix in some extra base hits and homers walks. He's a very good player, well-rounded, won't be an all-star, but he will be a really good role player. Dude, he is Whit Merrifield. Like, <laughs> to a T, he's Whit Merrifield. Just slightly less, you know, toolsy, but like, but I think is is literally just that Whit Merrifield starter kit, which is awesome. Like, it, I think his ceiling could be Whit Merrifield. If it all works out, that's an awesome player to have there. For sure. Real quick, though, before we move on to another team, I, I, I'd be remiss not to talk about Anthony Veneziano. Oh yeah. And I, what we are seeing with this, and I'm going to, I was going to do a solo episode on this. Uh, one of the days this week was the Royals pitching developments changed. This is a better organization. They've overhauled it and they look a lot better overall. Like the way that their pitchers are, are like guys that have been, you know, iffy in the past seem to be putting it together this year. Guys that they recently drafted seem to to really be looking as advertised. And that hasn't been the case for them in the past. Veneziano, it, it looks like a different pitcher. And, and I think this this is a guy that will break into their rotation maybe before anybody else, uh, prospect-wise. Just brought up to AAA. 6'6", lefty, such a low-effort delivery, too, and is pounding the strike zone. He struggled last year, 12% walk rate, 61% strike rate. This year, 3% walk rate. 69% strike rate and the fastball was ticked up. Landing the fastball at a strike set or for a strike 75% of the time. Changeup looks great. He maintains his arm speed so well. If, as you couldn't tell, I did a video dive on him very recently. 
The numbers look fantastic on the fastball and changeup. He's mixed in a decent slider as well. This is a legit three-pitch mix from 6'6 lefty who really repeats the release point really well. This is a back end of the rotation arm for the Royals. Don't be surprised if Veneziano ends up being one of the, you know, more serviceable arms for them at the big league level for the next couple of years. I'm I'm very bought in on what we're seeing from him. And that's a name that nobody knew going into this year, which is really impressive. Um, yeah. Going to Texas here, Justin Foscue, there's no space for him in one of the best lineups in baseball, if not the best lineup in baseball right now. But Justin Foscue has nothing left to prove at the minor league level. And that's why I threw him on here. Um, you know, he's not a guy that I think is looked at in the same way as a top 10 prospect in the game, like Evan Carter, or maybe the, these pitchers with a little bit more intrigue, like lighter and rocker. Foscue is not forgotten, but I think that Foscue has just hit at every single stop. And again, he was a first round pick. He was a top 15 overall pick, but he's ripping the cover off the ball. I think he's a little forgotten, man. Like I think so. Yeah. He's a borderline top 100 prospect because yeah. I, I I understand the bat. It has to carry here, but he's playing some third. I don't need to do a video dive on, on the third base. I want to see how the arm looks and everything over there, but he's playing third. He's playing second. He's playing first. That's valuable that you can move him around. He's not just some guy that's stuck at second playing. He's not Edouard Julien with the glove, you know, like he's not just anchored there. So it's not as much pressure on the bat. But again, like, He's blocked by Young at third. He's blocked. Oh no, by no, Simmons he's totally second. blocked. He's totally blocked. Yeah, this might be a trade chip because I, if I'm a team that's making a move, I I would be really pumped to pick up Justin Foskey. We're talking about like Erod. Let's say in a world where the the Rangers needed Erod, if I could get Foskey for him, I'm over the moon because this is a 90 percent zone contact guy. I think he's 91 percent this year. Brilliant. Who hits the ball in the air? Hits the ball hard. And, and this was another one. When I did the Rangers write-up, their top 10, I, I pumped Foscue up pretty high. I'd have to go back and check where it was. But that was one where I was like, I was not expecting to put the grade that I put on his hit tool. I, I put his plus hit tool on Justin Foscue. I never thought that would be the case. And now that he's playing multiple positions, I think it's in preparation for a potential call-up. they got to find a spot for him. And I think the performance of Duran, the performance of some other guys kind of you know makes him blocked. But I agree. There's nothing left to prove. He's hitting it in the air consistently. He doesn't chase. He makes a ton of contact. He walks more than he strikes out. I, I really like Foscue, and this is a name to watch in the top 100 update. I love it. Um, other guy with the Texas Rangers is somebody that uh, got a lot of international recognition in March <laughs> for all the wrong reasons. Mitch Bratt, the 19-year-old, is throwing in a high A right now. And Bratt was the one that had to face Trout, then Mookie, then Nolan, then Goldschmidt. And I think he got an out mercifully, but, like, they put six on him in the first inning. Um, and Bratt, like, I mean, he was a sacrificial lamb for Canada. It was pretty brutal to watch. But Mitch Bratt, he had a two-and-a-half ERA last year in low A as an 18-year-old. So far this year, a three-and-a-half in high A. But the thing that jumps out to me is the strikeout rate has stayed very similar to what he did in low A, which was impressive. Brad striking out 11 guys per nine, but the walk rate is down to under two guys per nine. He's commanding the hell out of the ball right now for a 19-year-old. Pitchability lefty, but to be as polished as he is, like you said, commanding the hell out of his stuff as a 19-year-old lefty, pretty awesome. And I think that's why they were willing to you know, roll Brad out there in that spot because of how advanced he is. I think, you know, as, as a pitcher relative to what you'd expect from his age, fastball shape is, is really good. So even though he's low nineties, it has a ton of carry. 
I, I like Brat. I, he's another dude that like this Rangers system has really come together. What Chris Young's doing out there, they're more than just a team that's spending at the top. They are developing guys. They're identifying guys. And Brat is is definitely worthy of the praise. Five percent walk rate, Jack. Thirty four Ks, six walks. This yep. is a, this is a dude that can really pitch. Um, and if the stuff ticks up, look out. Yep. One bat, one arm in the Angels organization. Kyron Paris, we've already talked about. I yeah. think we talked about him last week or the week before. Uh, and then Coleman Crow. Coleman Crow is a really interesting name that I know you've dove into before. I've never really spent too much time on Coleman Crow, but the numbers are undeniable right now. So Coleman Crow, um, he is like one of the lar- – I don't want to take this away because he's been really good. And the fastball is is a high carry fastball. Like that's that's what he's always been. One of the the bigger benefactors, I think, of of the Southern League, um, okay, where he saw so you think like a Pat Montverde type, yeah, a little bit, but but again, he's still pitching well and getting outs and is elevating his prospect status. But like, let's follow to triple, yeah. Um, looks good though. I think there's a lot to like, but has been one of the bigger benefactors of the of the ball because he was already a carry guy that leaned on the fastball heavily. And now he's really benefiting from it. But again, that that's a testament to his low. He's a very low vertical attack angle guy. I carry fastball. So I like what he's doing. Um, and I'm, he's a guy that I'm very excited to see. If he does it in triple, I'm, I'm, I'm very excited and, and following even closer. So speaking of that real quick, assessment of Ben Brown. Um, watched him on Tuesday and then caught a couple glimpses on Sunday as well. Um, ben Brown is, is an interesting study, man. And I, I think that he's really good. Cubs right-hander. Um, also just like looking at the build on Saturday, I wasn't working. So I sat like almost front row and I, I like watched Ben Brown walk by me a couple times. And I was like, this, he's a big dude. And like his neck is super long and his limbs are super long. Like he, he's kind of got that weird build that you really want in a big league pitcher. Absolutely. I, I I think he's going to put it all together. No doubt. Um, and then also I'm pretty pissed at you for not putting Trey Cabbage on here. So we talk about Cabbage a lot. I was thinking, he should be talked about every episode. Okay, that's he has fine. 12 bags. <laughs> He's 12 for 13. I'm in. I'm in. No, I, I'm an asshole for not having Trey Cabbage yeah. on here. And then Paris we talked about, but like yeah. what he's doing is really awesome. I'm, I'm excited about him. Uh, obviously, want to see the whiff limited a little bit more. But again, is 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 strikeout rates like three or four percent above the league average at 32 percent. So you you gotta factor in where he's at, 13 for 14 on bags, hitting homers. Uh he looks awesome. And then he he, he's too popular already to to put in this list, but but I I got it. I gotta hit on him. Uh, Edgar Carroll has just been fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. Uh, Handling the double A assignment as a catcher. They, they brought him up there to to work with the coaches because they like the coaching staff there. Uh, and, and man, has he been great as one of the youngest players at the double A level? Yeah. Um, two Astros bats here, not named Drew Gilbert, your guy, Loper Fito and uh, Ryan Clifford. Both these guys have been hitting the crap out of the ball right now. Loper Fito has been more impressive. You could argue aside from Gilbert, Loper Fito has probably been the best Astros bat so far, especially with Dearden slowing down a little bit in triple. Um, I'm still a sucker for Pedro Leon, but that guy is like overrated. I know. <laughs> um, but yeah, man, Loper Fito and Ryan Clifford, the two guys that I ID'd here. Right, let me make this abundantly clear. And I know I just hated on the word underrated, but here's a area where it is very relevant. Joey Loperfito is the most underrated prospect in the in the Astro system. 
And I don't think it's necessarily close. Drew Gilbert is is really good. And he's technically, I think, overlooked because he's a top 100 guy. He will be on our update. And, but I think he's going to be a consensus guy by the time everybody updates their list because he's a first rounder. Joey Loprofito, seventh round pick, 6-4. Doesn't have that true defensive home. Like, I'd love if he just excelled at second base or excelled at, at, at left field. But he's passable at a bunch of different spots. And I've seen him look better and better in center, which I know he likes center the most. Another interview to definitely check out that we did ahead of the season. He's hitting the ball harder. He's hitting the ball more consistently. And he looks good defensively. He's walking a ton. The only hole you can poke is he's putting the ball on the ground too much. But at the same time, he's still hitting for power. Joey can freaking hit, man. Like, Joey is a good ball player. 6'4". He's going to keep, I think, still continue to tap into more power. He can motor. He can move. Um, This is a really, really, really good prospect. And there's a reason why the Astros are very, very high on him. Love it. Um, Mariners, three guys. Brian Wu, Jonathan Classe, and Zach Deloach. Getting so many questions about Brian Wu. Um, I Understandably so. Brian Wu looks like Bryce Miller. Like, really? I'm not going to like put that on him. Like, I'm not saying he's going to be Bryce Miller. Yeah. Brian Wu's fastball is insane. This is another guy that I had like marked for whenever, whatever filler episode I was going to do to just kind of do like a catch up. Uh, yeah. and, you know, Cause that's most of the solo episodes I'm going to do is just catch up. These guys are going off or these guys, I keep getting asked about this guy. So let's catch up on him. Brian Wu's fastball is, is routinely over 20 inches of induced vertical break Dude. and no one is touching it. And that's no. not a tack ball. That's not your Dow Chemical ball. And, that's Delaware River mud ball. And he does the old, yeah, the Delaware River mud <laughs> yeah. ball. He does the old like high three quarters, but like his like chest almost goes down a little bit so so that it feels like he's throwing it from from even lower. Oh, it's and the Scherzer it, thing. Yes, a hundred percent. It does remind me. Of, I'll send you some video after this. Okay. I really was enjoying this dive. In zone whiff on his fastball of thirty five percent. Think about it. No that. way. Hitters <laughs> have a 65% zone contact against his fastball, and he's throwing it 60% of the time. Slider's still a work in progress. It's not elite, and he's not commanding it that well. That was Bryce Miller. <laughs> fastball, 71% strike rate. It's in the zone a, a ton, and he's getting whiffs in the zone a ton. It's a 70 fastball, and he's trying to find the secondary stuff, but he can pound the zone with the fastball, and hitters are so worried about it, the secondary stuff plays up. Woo looks like Bryce Miller. And it's the Mariners. Like they obviously ID'd this guy for a reason. This is real, man. Wu's going to be the next guy up. Last start out, six innings, one run, 10 Ks. Dude. I got to talk about class A too. Okay. Go ahead. Can you, can you just, do you have his numbers in front of you? Yeah. I can get him. Just read the combined numbers between high A and double A. Yeah. Jonathan class A. Um, I think I got the spelling right. No, I didn't. Um, John, that 10. J-A-O-N-A-T-A-N. Jonathan. So no H in there at all. There we go. Uh, Jonathan Class A, 37 games, hitting 293 with a 400 OBP, a 620 slug. So that's a 1020 OPS. In 37 games, 12 doubles, 11 homers, 29 RBIs. Uh, He's got 28 bags and 32 attempts. 27 walks, 52 punch outs. Holy fuck. <laughs> Switch hitter, too. Oh, my God. And he doesn't turn 21 for another. Oh, tomorrow. 
Happy early birthday, yeah. Class A. Happy early birthday, Class A. He turns 21 tomorrow. He's 5'9", so, you know, I think people kind of overlooked him a little bit. Is you know, How much impact is there? Well, 90th percentile, 103, 34% ground ball rate. He's going to hit for some power. Like, he's going to be just fine. This is a dude that's going to be answering a lot of top 100 lists. So, wanted to make sure we talked about Class A. And then Deloche is someone I've loved since he won the batting title on the Cape. It's just such a smooth swing. There's no single tool to love. And obviously he is not looking like a batting title type guy anymore because competition gets harder, but the approach is so good. He puts bat on ball. There's some intrigue here. He's playing really well, but you know, we'll, we'll see. I don't, I don't know how to feel about Deloge, but he's interesting. Yeah. Um, All right. Last guy, Oakland. I wrote Lawrence fucking Butler. (laughs) That's it. Just Lawrence. Lawrence, just Lawrence Butler. Nothing else? I was thinking like Salinas maybe, but I mean, you kind of come out of earth a little bit. I still love Salinas, but yeah. Lawrence Butler, you want to do the stat thing again? Because his numbers have been pretty damn good. Yeah, I can do the Lawrence Butler. So, I mean, I'll give you the slash line. I I don't know if you have stolen bases or or any other counting stat in front of you. Yeah, I've got that. 306, 375, 469, 19% K rate. I This guy is totally blossom before our eyes when i saw him on uh in the arizona fall league you know he's kind of tinkering trying to shorten up trying to be a more consistent bat to ball guy we know the power has always been there 106 mile per hour 90th percentile but he's putting it on the ground too much now he's putting it in the air more he still hits it on the ground like enough to where he gives himself a shot to beat balls out with two strikes and stuff like that like he's found this good balance um butler's looking like looking like a really good really well-rounded prospect and they're still playing him up the middle, which I love. If he can stick in center, this is a really fun player. Thing that jumps out to me, you mentioned the power's always been there. This guy's 10 for 11 in the stolen base department. Yep. He's 22 year old. He's 22 years old hitting 306 in double. And he's stealing bases. We know he's got pop. He's a big dude. He's an athletic dude. Like I'm we talked on the just baseball show about guys we're drunk on the Kool-Aid for. Like I've been drunk on the Lawrence oh, Butler yeah. Kool-Aid for a minute now, oh. and I'm getting like blackout. <laughs> <laughs> You're blacking out on the Kool-Aid. Yeah. What I'm gonna I'm gonna put you over the edge here. Small sample, but left on left, he's six four dude that you know was kind of struggling with a little bit of length to the swing before. Those are guys that usually get beaten up left on left. Yeah, he's thirteen for thirty six left on left this year. Huh. That's the three sixty one batting average. Um, so, I mean, he's looking good against lefties so far, 85% zone contact chase rates are down. Like everything you want to see we're seeing, um, it's, it's pretty hard to, to argue against what, what Lawrence Butler is doing right now. And I think that is something that A's fans should be very, very excited about because I think he's going to start to leapfrog. You know, he was kind of put in the same bucket as Denzel Clark toolsy. Big upside. Is it going to come together? I think even though Clark's put been putting up some really exciting numbers and, and flashes, Butler's elevated his floor so much. Where he's hitting over 300, all the data points look good. Just looks like a good hitter. Um, that's different. And that's very exciting. Um, so definitely pumped up on him. Um, one other name that I feel like we have to kind of hit on, though, if we're going to talk about the A system, is Daryl Ornias. Acquired for Cole Irvin. And Ernais has been, it's been good, dude. It's been really, really good. Shortstop, 21 years old, double A, 
341, 396, 524 slash line, 19% K rate, 8.5% walk rate. This dude's looking pretty legit. I have no idea why the Orioles traded him for Cole Irvin. Yeah, I mean, were you expecting this, though? You know what I mean? So last year, obviously, 20-year-old got up to double. He was a 780 OPS guy. Um, I don't know. Like, obviously, he had a, a great season, but the Orioles, again, had this massive surplus. I kind of get it. Like, oh, Michael Irvin! Like, package him with Mayo and go get a stud. Like, I, right. it's, just, it's just like, you're now you're overpaying for a mediocre starter. They optioned Cole Irvin. I know, I know. I, Cole I, Irvin and no, DL Hall. I didn't, Hall I, I didn't see him doing this, but I mean, dude, last year in high A, he was really good. He was really good. Yeah. So head scratching move. I know they had the surplus, but surplus doesn't mean sell low. And I think they kind of sold low in this instance. Very interested to keep following Ernias. Nice pickup by Oakland here. Yeah, um, there, there were a couple other guys, but like. So Zach Geloff and Soderstrom are actually having really good starts of the year in triple, but I, those guys are appropriately oh, rated. Yeah. Yeah. We know about them. Yeah. And, and, you know, I'm still a little concerned about the whiff with Geloff, but again, he's, he's kind of hitting a stride here and also adding some more, you know, stolen base uh, act like to his game, which is fun. Yeah. Um, and, and I think he'll get called up relatively soon once the whiff gets cut down a little bit more. Um, but yeah, the A system's really coming together here. It's, it's a fun one, and I think that'll probably be the next one I write up on the next one that we'll go over. So uh, look out for that because I, I do I do like this Oakland A system. It's coming together pretty nicely. Cool. And that's what I got. We'll do the NL uh, a little bit later this week. Yeah, NL later this week. Interview with Victor Mesa Jr. Uh, that should be out tomorrow. Excited about that because if you follow me on Twitter, I've been very – I've been kind of just yelling it into, into the – what into the void about it because no one really cares who the best position player prospect is in the Marlins system. And it is somewhat of an indictment on the Marlins that Victor Mesa Jr. in, in my mind is their best position player prospect. But it's also credit to Victor Mesa Jr. who looks great in center field, who's hitting really well in the Southern League as a 21-year-old. So excited for that conversation with Mesa, uh, who I believe refers to himself as the chosen one. So cool. that should be a fun conversation. That's I'm excited. Sick. I'm excited to talk to the chosen one there. Very cool picture of Leo Messi wearing his jersey at one point, too, that he has. I don't know what that connection is. Going to have to ask him about that. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, so excited to talk to Mesa Jr. Uh, I've heard he's a really funny guy, really fun dude in the clubhouse. So uh, very pumped on how he's been playing. That's sick. Yeah. So look out for that. And we'll do the National League later this week. As always, thank you for listening. If you can leave a rating, help us grow the show, we'd really appreciate it. Be sure to subscribe on YouTube as well, and we'll talk prospects with you tomorrow. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.